after hours. Well, torch my she shed and call me Cheryl. <laughs> How the heck are you? I am good. That was <laughs> okay, listeners. We do not rehearse these, so it's all it's new to me as it is to you. And that was that was a great that was a great opening. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I just realized we did not talk after we recorded last week's episode. Yes. And when I said swaddle me in red velvet and call me Nicholas, you were like, I don't get that. But you know, and. and <laughs> So, you know, listeners, I could tell Hannah wasn't in the best mood last weekend, <laughs> uh, but I was referring to Red Velvet, Nicholas, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas. Oh. That's what I was thinking. I never got a chance to tell you that. That's what that was last okay. week. So, so as you can tell, she is not kidding when she says we do not rehearse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's... um. It's the weekend. We record on the weekends. So I uh, went out with a friend last night and we we went to a funky museum in our city and had some dinner. And, you know, it, this is another a friend of mine hey, who you also go to the sex museum in Amsterdam. Are you out partying there? Or where are you? I'm not in Amsterdam. <laughs> but it's a friend who also works in HR. So we we get to see each other. We, we work together. Similar to, to you and I, Mick, uh, we had worked previously together and stayed friends so we get together about once a month and it's a lot of fun because of course we talk about what we're doing outside of work but we still can talk about HR related things so I'm I guess I could say I'm having an HR weekend so uh were you and your HR buddy are you a couple of woo girls no (laughs) are we a couple of woo girls no we were not out of control we are ladies and very proper ladies at that. We had a wonderful dinner, uh, had a glass of wine, uh, again, caught up on all things uh, life in work and outside of work. So it was a it was a tame yet very enjoyable evening. Well, we'll just take your word for it. But <laughs> if anyone out there has video proof otherwise, please reach out <laughs> to Mick Danzig. <laughs> Well, good. Well, how are things with you? You know, as you know, it's it's obviously a crazy time of year for yes. human resources and recruiting. Uh, this is push week for me in recruiting. A lot of my clients will be on vacation soon. So it's been really crazy. In addition to that, my son's getting married in two weeks. And if you've got your calendars in front of you, yes, that is the weekend after Thanksgiving. So I'm also working out some logistics for Thanksgiving holiday with the family that's all coming in town for the wedding. So, you know, it's been super crazy, but fun, super crazy. I'm so excited and happy. This is one of those rare times of year where I'm extremely positive and loving and putting out good vibes. And uh, I hope everyone you always else... put out good vibes. What do you tell I me? try. I try. So I hope <laughs> everyone else gets an opportunity to hang out with those people that they care about in the upcoming holiday. But just like last week, I want to kind of jump right in. So this is cool. So we had a uh, well-received story last week. Well, for the most part, I only got a couple death threats. But we did talk <laughs> about Steve Easterbrook, the CEO of McDonald's, who stepped down mm-hmm. uh, after it was found out that he was in a, once again, consensual, consensual. Yeah, thank you, consensual <laughs> relationship uh, with someone at the McDonald's Corporation. Uh, but this is kind of a funny twist on it. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
so obviously they're the sharks are always in the water and then as soon as all this came out well lo and behold less than a week later get a little email uh with a link to an article in it says class action suit alleges mcdonald's manager groped and shoved employee which is unfortunately not that uncommon to see something like that i mean we see that in throughout our career and these are exactly the things as hr professionals we've tried to avoid but this is where it's crazy so this was a completely separate class action lawsuit that was being filed by an associate uh that was employed by a michigan franchisee and basically the class action lawsuit was filed the week after the McDonald's story broke about the CEO and the story the lawsuit alleges that McDonald's managers at one of the chain's restaurants in Lansing, Michigan subjected workers to pervasive sexual harassment in a hostile work environment that included groping and physical assaults as well as vi- visible harassment or verbal harassment, which obviously first and foremost, that is not okay. But here's where it gets a little crazy and then I'm gonna stop talking and, and hand this over to you. What's really frustrating is that they didn't go over a- uh, after just the franchisee, they went after McDonald's corporate. And it says that they felt like the recent episode with the CEO showed that not only did McDonald's not enforce their sexual harassment policies with the franchisees, not their own stores, uh, but that they obviously showed a culture of harassment and that they felt like the CEO case took example of that. But it's a this is another case, this has happened before, where the uh, class action lawsuit's trying to hold a parent company responsible, like they're the joint employer of their franchisee group. And if anyone out there is not familiar with the way a franchise works, I'm selling you my brand. You know, if I wanted to make Mick Danzig a franchise brand, I'm going to let you go out there and say, I, you know, I represent Mick Danzig and I'm going to, you know, recruit for you or whatever. I can put stipulations in our agreement that if you do anything to poorly represent me, that I'll yank your right away to do that. But I can't go in there. If I franchise my likeness to 500 people, I can't stay on top of what those 500 people are doing. That's my thought. I've talked a lot. Boom, Hannah, go. Yes, yeah, so that's it's an interesting situation. So certainly, I um, I think whatever happened, uh, harassment if it did happen, that's terrible, and it, there's no place in the workplace for it. However, citing the recent you know issue with the CEO and calling that a toxic culture or saying that that's part of the culture, I think is a little misguided. Where I you know, ultimately, at least the way that it was explained out in the world is that the company found out about the consensual relationship, investigated, and then the CEO stepped down, admitting to violating the company policy. Uh, to me, the, the company handled it correctly. So I'm a little unsure on how that relates to this situation, specifically the fact that it is a franchise a franchise versus a corporate location or part of the corporate entity. So each and, 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 you know, we you and I have worked in the restaurant world and we've worked for you know restaurants that have had franchises. And we know that those are separate companies and they're run and managed 
outside of the corporate scope. So, you know, when it comes to HR concerns, it's really hard to say that it's connected to the corporate culture because it's a completely separate entity. So I'm just very confused and maybe I need to dig deeper into the whole situation, but I'm very confused as to how it relates, how this situation relates to the CEO being ousted for a consensual relationship. So I, you know, I, I, that's my two cents on the situation. However, I do think this brings up a really good point of understanding or seeing as a, if you're a franchisee owner, you have to own the HR function. And I think we can go into a little of what that looks like and some advice for, you know, not legal advice. You need to talk to your attorney for legal advice, but some suggestions around what that looks like for a franchisee. I agree. And so here's what we'll do. I think there's two different stories here. I'm going to quickly wrap up the first story because the first story is them trying to say that this uh, incident with Mr. Easterbrook shows a part of that being part of their culture. Like, oh, right. they're, they, they don't care about us. Well, I think it shows the opposite. And uh, to tell the listeners what took place behind the curtain last week, because I was living in a cave and dealing with just work and uh, preparing for the holidays, wedding, et cetera. I actually was late on the original McDonald's story about Mr. Easterbrook. And when you told it to me, mm-hmm. uh, my one of my first things I said to you after reading one of the articles was, well, yeah, they don't have a choice here, Hannah, because if they don't have him resign, uh, then they're showing that they don't care about right. their own policies. They did exactly what they should have done there. And you know me, I'm the last guy that's going to go you know, and, and advocate for a big corporate burger chain, not a fan of McDonald's, boom, done. So, mm-hmm. but they did everything right here as far as I'm concerned. And I think they had to, I think they immediately acknowledged that if they didn't deal with that case, that there was going to be a tremendous domino effect. And remember, you were talking about a company that gets sued all the time. They're a big yeah. fish, easy target. So they they know of pending lawsuits that uh, have even made light of day. So they knew that there was way more ramifications than we did. So that's it. They did the right thing. They don't support mm-hmm. that type of policy. They did issue a statement saying, you know, we have certain things we do in our corporately owned stores uh, to make sure that our associates receive the sexual harassment training. And you and I have both done that for a large mm-hmm. group that had franchisees and we actually quarterly had compliance paperwork. We either did the training or we made sure that we trained the trainers to do the training. And then once everyone uh, received that training, they signed it off and then you and I chased that paperwork for months to make sure it was all done. Yes, it was. I mean, it was one of those things where companies don't have to do that quarterly. However, we felt it was in our best interest to show that we were proactively training and reminding people about these policies so that uh, there's no way somebody can come back and say, I didn't know. I didn't know. We wanted to make sure they understood, understood the policies, knew how to report, knew what it all looked like, all of the important things that you should be doing. And again, some people were frustrated because they felt like, why do I have to sign this quarterly? And it's because so that we can go above and beyond to prove that we are really proactively working to make this an environment free from harassment, discrimination, all of that stuff. 
Absolutely. And from my understanding, McDonald's has very similar practices in place. They do those types of measures at the restaurants that they own. So they are overseeing their employees training Mm -hmm. for sexual harassment. So we'll curve that for now. And if if we hear from a listener or a, a peer that tells us, no, you're wrong, then we'll reopen that piece. But let's just sure. do that. That's tough to decide. We, we Apples and oranges, people. <laughs> so then this is where I'm going to read this part and hand it over to you because this is where uh, you are more of the SME subject matter expert than I am. But here's the actual lawsuit against the franchisee, okay. which there are so many red flags. I'm going to remove my opinion from it because I'm going to let your head explode as I read this to you. Jenna Rise or Riez, a former McDonald's employee and lead plaintiff in the lawsuit filed this week, said on a conference call with reporters November 12th that a swing manager at Lansing store physically and verbally harassed her at times in front of the store's general manager. On one occasion, according to the suit, the swing manager followed her into a walk-in freezer and shoved her up against a wall before she escaped and ran out. Yeah. Uh, she said she then attempted to obtain a transfer to another McDonald's store in March of last year, but the request was not granted. She attempted to raise the issue with the general manager, but nothing ever happened. That's quote unquote. She said she was unaware of an HR department mm-hmm. outside the regular chain of command to which she uh, could report the harassment, the suit alleged. All right. So she also complained to a district manager about the harassment and was later transferred to another store. But the swing manager who harassed her remained employed at the Lansing location. She is suing on behalf of herself and others. Give me your take on that. I know your head hurts. Okay. My head hurts because there's a lot to unpack here. A lot. (laughs) So, okay. I'm, I'm going to go out of order, but there's bits and pieces I do want to address. Number one, uh, the, the individual said they, they weren't sure of an HR department. Now, depending on the size of the franchise, if they only own a handful of restaurants, they might not be big enough to be able to afford an HR department. So certainly, you know, at first, at first glance, you'd be like, what do you mean? No HR, but some franchisees are just small enough. There isn't, uh, there isn't an HR department. I'm biased. I would never advise again. You know, I'd never advise to say, hey, don't have an HR department. However, I know in some situations it's just uh, not possible. In that event, you as a franchise owner need to take the appropriate steps to make sure your people are then knowledgeable and trained on all things human resources. So there are uh, people to handle these types of concerns. So it sounds like the individual did the right thing and complained through the proper chain of command, general manager, district manager. I feel, again, not knowing if things were investigated, if they weren't, not knowing how complaints were handled. But if the general manager and district manager are not doing anything, the failure is on on the franchisees side. They should have taken the proper steps to investigate and remove any uh, either the individual or something else to correct the situation. Again, not knowing what truly happened. I haven't investigated this myself. I still think that there's some failures with, you know, with that. Now, the other thing. So she requested to be transferred, was denied, and then later was transferred. I'd, I'd really like to dig more into that. So 
did this individual request to be transferred again? Did the company force her? Now, typically in my past life, if there was a situation where we were investigating uh, inappropriate behavior or if we had to transfer somebody, we would transfer the manager. So it didn't look like that we were punishing the complainant, the person who filed the complaint. So now let me uh, back up on that. If the complainant says, I want to transfer to a different store, certainly I would work on making that happen. However, I get that in writing. So the person can't come back and say they were forced to leave after they filed a complaint. So there's that piece as well. So I just feel like this was, I don't want to call it a comedy of errors, but I feel like there were many opportunities for somebody to step in and do the right thing and it just didn't happen. And that's why it's turning into a lawsuit. So the word of word of the wise out there, uh, if you don't have an HR department, you have to work hard to make sure your leaders, the people running your locations, your stores, all of your managers know and understand the basics of HR, the basics of handling complaints. So something like this doesn't happen. That was a lot. Mick, what are your thoughts? Everything you said is spot on. Typically, when you and I would investigate something like this, we would pull the person that was accused out of the situation so they couldn't impact the investigation. And, you know, just to kind of start isolating things, right? You know, there's a couple things here. So first off, I don't mean, I, I really do believe there are two two separate issues here. So right. I am not making light or by any not means uh, saying that this, the original issue here isn't a big deal because this is a huge deal. If this person was actually cornered in a walk-in and felt like something was going to escalate very quickly, that is a horrible experience that no one should ever go through, especially in the workplace. That's why HR professionals exist. I mean, it's to protect the associates and then the brand. And this is a perfect case where if you protect the associates first, you're protecting the brand. But my gosh, you know, you should feel comfortable at work. This is where you spend a huge chunk of your life. So you should never feel threatened. They should have pulled the swing manager out while they investigated because ultimately you've immediately, when you're made aware of this, you've got to protect that associate because they've already gone through something terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Am I I on track here? I know my HR is a little rusty. The other thing is there are so many er areas here that if you are a very small company, um, because really these franchise groups, some of them are just mom and pops where they own one or two restaurants. Right. Now here they say district manager. So district manager, I'm going to assume at least three restaurants, hopefully, you know, probably more if there's a district manager. So the employee manual should have a chain of command for HR, uh, to be alerted, or if there is not an HR department, whatever's above the district manager, if it's the president of the company, if it's the owner of the company, but they should have things set up. They're going to become alerted because their employees are at risk and their livelihood. If they don't have a 1-800 number, an email address, something saying, if you don't feel comfortable talking to your general manager or district manager, please contact corporate anonymously 
Mm-hmm. Done. If I if I'm the DM and you tell me my weakest link just because they're new or promoted or they haven't all had all their training yet is the cause of something, then I would be like, oh, we haven't done the right, we haven't done this person a service, we haven't trained them right. Let's get them out of this situation. But I'd be more prone to believe that they might have done something stupid. A lot of times, and I remember this, it's running a restaurant, it's it's stressful and uh, turnover is pretty high in many, especially in a McDonald's-like situation. And I don't know McDonald's turnover numbers, but just from my experience. You know, we used to joke that we'd call them uh, battlefield promotions, where sometimes you you had to put somebody in position. Maybe they weren't quite ready. They were working towards it, but not quite ready. So I'm imagining here is somebody who probably was promoted too quickly, uh, was not trained correctly, and maybe had worked for old school managers who, uh, you know, yelling might have been their way to get things done. So I, I'm just, you know, I not, and you know, it just could be a bad person. But I feel like this is a manager who probably did not have good training, didn't have the right tools to be successful. And it turned into a really bad situation. So I think it's another great reminder of if you are going to promote somebody into a leadership position, you need to check all the boxes of do they have all the tools? Have they been trained? Do they understand HR? Do they understand how to treat people? You know, all of those bits and pieces. And I know that people listening, especially if you've worked in the restaurant world, might say, I'm in the dreamland. You know, that's not real. But you really need to do your best to get through all of that to ensure that your teams are going to be led by a great manager. And it's worse to have to replace your people because they're leaving because of a bad manager. You're going to be replacing multiple people versus just that one person. And that's my two cents. <laughs> yeah. And the only other things I'd like to add real quick, it should be just as important to any franchisee, any large corporation, any business owner, that you should train on sexual harassment. You should put as much time, energy, and resources into that training for your new managers as you do in opening procedures, because this is extremely important. Uh, It should actually be one of the most important things as far as your culture. And like I said, you should definitely have communication on how to deal with these type of situations in place. And let's not forget, there are temporary HR support. And so if you see something like this happening, you know, spend the money to do that and make sure, you you know, everyone is trained and then make sure everyone signs off on it. And that one of the things that they're signing off on is if they violate these policies or procedures, or if they witness something and don't report it, their job's at risk for disciplinary action and risk. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. And I think that's a great point. Like, If you cannot afford an HR department, then you need to do, you know, do your best to educate yourself and and hire hire in a a company or consultant, somebody to come and help you set yourself up for success to execute these HR uh, rules, policies, whatnot. And that can help you, you know, it's one of those things where an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. This is exactly where, hey, that money is going to be well spent because it will help you stay away from very costly uh, lawsuits. And even, you know, even when companies don't go all the way to the courts and, and have settlements, just think of all that time and money just getting to that point. Uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it can be costly, even if it's just an EEOC claim. And I hate to say just, but EEOC claims, you can get a settlement through there and it's, it's going to be time and money, time and money. So uh, this is where I really like to stress that that ounce of prevention is certainly worth the pound of cure. Well, oh my goodness, Anna, I've got a thing. So that's all the time we have for today. Okay, before you go, tell everyone how they can reach us. Absolutely, Hannah Hampton. Well, first off, they can reach out to us via Twitter. We're at HR underscore hours. Check us out on Instagram at HR After Hours. And both of those sites, we do post things almost daily. So there's a little fun and a little a little distraction from work there. And of course, you can shoot us an email at HRAfterHoursMail at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you guys. So until next time. Oh,